This is Welcome to Babylon. My name's Jeremy Kendall, and I'm your host. In this podcast, I discuss with various guests, news, and current events, but through the lens of the Bible. The Bible often makes reference to this world as Babylon. And even though we live in sinful Babylon, we are called to be holy as he is holy. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. So let's take a look together at God's word, our instruction for life. Welcome to Babylon. Hello and welcome again to Welcome to Babylon. Uh, my name's Jeremy and I'm here today with Ethan Aloye, uh, who is coming to speak about critical theory. It's a big topic. And uh, before we get into that, I want to first and foremost introduce you, brother. Uh, so uh, welcome, Ethan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, like Jeremy said, my name's Ethan. I'm a husband. My wife's name is Naomi. We've been married for four years. and The three of us it. all went to Laidlaw College together? Yes, yes. All three yeah. of us went to Laidlaw College. So we've, we have that shared experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're also expecting a child in March next year. It's our first child. Congratulations. Uh, it's a son. So that's exciting. Wow. That's uh, awesome. We're very excited and nervous and yeah. thoroughly trying to upschool on what it means to be a parent. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm also a school teacher. I teach at a school called Manukau Christian School. I, I teach Bible in the high school, and I also teach a course on Western civilization. Fantastic. So that's a little bit about me. That's what I do at the nice. moment, and I have a very keen interest in critical theory, and I've been trying to keep up with the literature as much as I can for about three and a bit years now. Awesome. Well, brother, one thing we should also mention is um, when we talk to a, a white guy like me, uh, you ask them their heritage, their background, they'll give you a math equation. I'm a quarter of this, a quarter of that. Mm, uh, mm. Often as well here in New Zealand, Pacific Island culture is much the same. You want to tell us a little bit about your background before we talk yeah. race and, and other topics Yeah, that, well. that's great. That's actually a good point to bring up. So I'm half Samoan. My mum is New Zealand Kiwi. She's white with blonde hair and blue eyes. And my dad is full Samoan, so he's nice. as brown as they come. Uh, I came out on the lighter side of things, but I am half Samoan. All my cousins are Samoan. I've got 19 or so first cousins on my dad's side, one on my mum's side. Fair so um, it's 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 relevant to the conversation we're about to it have. Yep. I don't I don't like playing identity politics, but um, I don't think your ethnicity matters a whole no l- no much. But not at all. Uh, a lot of people who are interested in critical theory. We'll jump at any opportunity to they would. highlight yeah. someone's race. And uh, particularly with a, a white guy like me, I have no opinion. And uh, it's uh, Oh, you're the last person who's allowed an opinion. I'm a white male, so <laughs> I'm out. I'm yeah, out. Yeah, 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 you're, yeah, you're yeah. all the way out. I'm pretty much everything that you shouldn't be. So, uh, hey, look, brother, um, thank you so much for coming on. We, we're really excited to hear um, your opinions and your thoughts on uh, critical theory. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, the whole world is going on about this at the moment, mm. uh, particularly the Western world. Uh, but here in New Zealand, little old New Zealand, an island out of the way of uh, all the other thoughts going on around the world, we don't necessarily uh, know what the thinking is behind critical theory. Mm. Uh, we're not discussing it. And, uh, and so I wondered if you could just perhaps give a little bit of a definition, talk about it, and uh, maybe just shed some light. Yeah, so like you say, it's not something we necessarily discuss in everyday conversation, but I do think we're all familiar with it. If you've heard of microaggressions or being woke or mansplaining, all of these things 
deeply rooted in critical theory. So like you say, what, what is critical theory? And I think the best way of uh, viewing critical theory is to see it as a worldview, mm-hmm. a way of seeing and making sense of the world. We all have a worldview. So our atheist friends, for example, they might have a materialistic worldview. Right. They say all there is is matter in motion. And if I am to make sense of the world, I need to make sense of the world through that lens. The, the way I, what I, when I look at the world, all I see is matter in motion. That, that needs to be my interpretive lens. For the Christian, we have a revelatory worldview. We mm-hmm. believe God has revealed himself in his word and in creation. We believe that God has spoken and therefore that's the lens through which we view the world. That's what this podcast is all about, seeing everything through the eyes of Scripture. So I love it. That's yeah. great. Uh, the critical theorists, however, they have their own worldview, which is different to the Christian mm-hmm. and different to the secular materialist. Their way of viewing the world is founded in two presuppositions, two foundational ideas or assumptions that shape how they view everything. And it can be captured in those two words, critical and theory. Mm-hmm. So the critical element is a foundational assumption that the world should be viewed as a perpetual cycle of competing power systems. What I mean by that is uh, everything should be categorized into groups, and we ought to see that those groups function in perpetual competition with one another. So maybe just... Give us a few examples of those groups. Yeah, great. So men and women. Right. That's one way of dividing people. Us men have ruled the world since the beginning of time. Yeah, so the the assumption is because we can divide into men and women, that's a system that's been constructed in order to perpetuate male power. So in that system, men men exist to oppress women, Mm -hmm. and they consistently work at maintaining that power advantage. And any number of ways you can divide people. So straight... And queer people, straight people, oppress queer people, LGBT people, mm-hmm. um, cisgendered people, oppress gender queer people. Now you and I were going. What's cisgender? Yeah, uh, that just means you're the gender you were assigned at birth. Right. A cis male is a normal male, but what I've just done there is a microaggression because I've said that it's <laughs> normal. You can't say that anything's normal because I'm normalizing right. cisgenderness. But anyway, yep. that's another way of dividing people and seeing oppression at work. Uh, able-bodied, disabled-bodied, mm-hmm. able-bodied people oppressed. This is, this is the foundational assumption. When we look at the world, we ought to see how groups are functioning to perpetuate their power. That's the critical branch of critical theory. The second part is the theory element. So the critical part deeply rooted in Marxism and the idea of bourgeoisie and proletariat except applied to every possible way of dividing people. So if, you, if, you're, if you're panicked by communism, this, this ought to panic you a lot more. Yep. Uh, but then there's the theory element, which is deeply rooted in postmodern thought. So the key thinkers would be people like Michel Foucault and Jacques Derrida. The, the key idea behind the theory element is that there is no objective knowledge the, the area of study where we look at how we know what we know, it's called epistemology. Our epistemology is based in revelation, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the example. critical theorist, the, the theory element says, there is no one epistemology. There's no one way of knowing things. Rather, each group has their own epistemology. 
So there's epistemologies plural. All roads lead to Rome. Yeah, everyone has their own epistemology. And the one that our society holds as effective is just the one that the powerful group uses to perpetuate their power. Right, They're all equally valid. This will ultimately contradict itself eventually, won't it? Yeah, so the, the problem is that different ways of knowing produce different answers to the same questions. And the question we have is, well, how do we know which epistemology is most effective? Well, there is no way to know. What's one plus one? We say two because our epistemology allows for logic and reason. But how would we know if our epistemology was wrong? We're using our logic and reason. Now, uh, therefore, the, the critical theorist says, we just have to say that there's all these different epistemologies, and they're all equally valid, and the powerful group, their epistemology has had center stage, and it needs to no longer have center stage. So we're coming into a really or- Orwellian kind of way of thinking where 2 plus 2 can equal 5. Yeah, exactly. So on Twitter over the past few months, there's been a massive ongoing debate around whether or not 1 plus 1 equals 2. Mm-hmm. And you have Harvard professors arguing that 1 plus 1 might not necessarily equal 2, depending on your epistemology. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is concerning, isn't it? Yeah, very. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, look, we, we're hearing this on, on YouTube, uh, as you said, Twitter, all, all of the social media networks are, are working hard to preach this message and mm. to make sure it is uh, kept within those boundaries. But here in little old New Zealand, what does it mean for us as Kiwis? Is, is this message found its way to the New Zealand shores or is that something we should be looking out for? Yeah, so this message has definitely found its way into New Zealand shores. It's, it's definitely in many of our institutions already. And there's another key idea. It might be helpful to unpack this one before looking at the examples because this idea is what you really see at play. And that's the idea of intersectionality. So very quickly to define that, uh, what that idea says is that if you participate in an oppressed group, you have access to... Uh, epistemology, ways of knowing that the oppressor doesn't have access to. Right. So, so take you and I, for example. We're both white, straight, cisgendered Christian males. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're pretty high on the oppressor scale. You're assuming that for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't ask yeah. you your gender. You didn't tell me your pronouns. That's okay, either. I'll forgive you. That's yeah, right. yeah. So uh, we're pretty high, but I'm part Pacific Islander. To many people, I'd be a person of color. So intersectionality says that I have access, I have epistemic access that you don't. Mm. I can know things that you can't because you're an oppressor. Yeah. Now, uh, take your wife, for example. She's a woman, so she's got another layer of oppression. So she has access to knowledge that you don't have access to. She knows the oppressive worldview because she has to live in it every day. But being a woman, she can also know more than you because she experiences oppression. Then take my wife, who's a woman of color. She has two... Uh, the list is getting bigger. Yeah, she has two groups of oppression that she participates in, and those oppressions intersect. Right. That's where the phrase intersectionality comes from. So she has even greater knowledge than yourself, myself, and your wife, because she's a person of color. But this is all conditional as well, though, because uh, to be a Muslim is to be... Uh, 
a special group in of itself. To be a, a Jew is to be a special group in itself. But Christians don't count in this camp. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, so under critical theory, Christians are part of the oppressive group. Right. Even though they're the most persecuted group in the world. Yeah. And we're white, even though we come from a Israeli-based... Yes, yes. And that's because religion. they would say the influence that Christianity has had in the West. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So to take the, the final point of intersectionality then is to recognize that the person who knows the most is the most oppressed person and we need to listen to them. Now, we can't evaluate what they say because you and I, how would we evaluate what a, pers- a female person of color says? We can never know. We can't experience it. Yeah. We might use logic or reason yeah. or evidence uh, but you, what you need to understand is all of those are just tools of oppression mm-hmm. that we use to perpetuate our power. We need to just shut up and listen to their lived experience. Shame on us. Uh, that being said, regardless of gender, my wife has already always known more than me anyway. So <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> that one was clear as day from the beginning. Well, uh, brother, I, I, I want to now turn this a little bit to um, the education Mm. system that you're a part of as a teacher. Mm. Uh, In your professional opinion, you're you're seeing this message slip into various schools, Mm. uh, more on the the public end of the scale. Mm. Uh, But many of us Christians who, I've just had a kid myself, uh, and you're preparing to have one, Mm. we're wondering, should we even let our children grow up in this environment? Um, Should they be going to a public school? And so I want to pose this question to you. Do we pull our kids out? Mm. Do we homeschool them? What's Yeah, that's what's a really thoughts? good question to think through. The first thing I would say is that these ideas are so insidious mm. that they really have seeped into the entire education system. Right. A massive branch of critical theory is what they call critical pedagogy, mm-hmm. which is critical theory applied to how teachers teach. Yeah. And as a result of that, these ideas are all throughout the education system and these ideas are not easy to catch in the same way your kid goes to a science class and the teacher says, hey, we come from monkeys and they come home. Say, mom, dad, do we come from monkeys? And you catch that and you can explain that to them and have the conversation. I I remember when when we were kids, uh, my dad actually said, look, um, the teachers have informed us that this day is set aside for instructing this particular topic of evolution. So we're giving you the, you know, the ability to pull your kids out if you so choose. But we can't do this now, can we? Because it's infecting every class, every subject, every thought. It's Yeah, so and that's the thing. Up. It's With evolution, that's a kind of grouping of ideas, of, of factoids. In of itself. <laughs> Whereas critical theory is a way of seeing the whole world. Yeah. And the teachers who are coming out of these colleges will be steeped in that. The way they see the world is through this lens. Mm-hmm. Every single thing they say will be coming from this perspective. And you can't just catch it and say, hey, so what did you learn today? And, and then counteract it's, it's really not that easy. So I, I would say, I'd be extremely hesitant. I would not personally send my kid to a public school. Mm-hmm. Um, a private Christian school, sure, I teach at one and it's great. We don't yeah. have any of this stuff. It's awesome. Um, but little, even an integrated promo there. For yeah, yeah, Christian Manukau schools, Christian yeah. School, yeah, yeah. kids. <laughs> great place to yeah, bring up yeah. your children. Absolutely. But uh, even integrated Christian schools, you have to be very careful. Mm. By law, they're obliged to teach this stuff. Yeah. And even if their teachers were trained in Christian institutions, uh, like the one I was trained in, Laidlaw College, mm-hmm. they're steeped in this stuff as well. Yeah. They teach courses on critical pedagogy where we read uh, devout Marxists like Polo Flere, who teach yeah. that 
teachers oppress children. And children need to be liberated from the oppression of their teachers. When the government is funding your educational facility, then you've got to listen to what they have to say to add into your teaching. And that's not to say Mm. that um, places like Laidlaw don't have fantastic teachers who Mm. are great uh, Christian men and women. But Mm. sadly, it's really easy to just go with the flow and and preach what has been instructed to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that's a bit of, bit of food for thought. We don't really want to um, instruct parents as to how they are bringing up their children. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to cross over into that level of authority, but we do want to give them all the tools we can mm. uh, to make that decision for themselves. Well, like you said, it's, it's creeping into the, the Bible colleges. Um, surely it's not going to go into the churches. Yeah, so in fact, this ideology has been in the churches for a while. So the critical theory applied to theology is essentially what we call liberation theology. So there's been liberation theologians for a long time. Mm. Uh, The most prominent one that I'm aware of is a guy named James Cone, Mm -hmm. who's written a number of uh, popular books that are becoming popular in American seminaries and all around the world now. So these, I- these ideas are not, um, the churches aren't safe from these ideas. One thing I think that is particularly noteworthy about critical theory is that it's had success in infiltrating good, solid, even reformed churches. Really? Uh, in, in a way that other ideologies haven't. So it's, it's not uncommon for me to see this stuff being promoted by uh, authors for the Gospel Coalition, for example. Mm-hmm. This ideology particularly has made um, tremendous inroads into the sort of, sorts of churches I would hope would be insulated yeah. well enough from these. Yeah, I've seen it myself. And, and you, some of these guys, are on, on, on any other topic, I would endorse them. Likewise. 100%. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there is so much pressure, and particularly when you're in a bigger mega church context in the states uh, there's a lot of pressure on you you know you put one little video up on youtube and you you can get some real heat uh, as you well know mm. um, i don't know if you want to share a little bit about your own experiences uh, yeah so one organization one group that's been massively impacted by critical theory in a way that's detrimental to society is the black lives matter organization yeah. they're steeped in this stuff the leaders are trained marxists and i believe it's my firm conviction that the Black Lives Matter organization is one of the most dangerous, most destructive ideologies that could be inflicted on the black community. Mm. The idea that they want to deconstruct the Western prescribed nuclear family, that's one of the most hateful things you could do to a community. That's right. Is to destroy their families. Mm-hmm. And to say Black Lives Matter while you act and promote ideas that will destroy black lives is an evil thing to do. That's right. So when I heard there was a Black Lives Matter protest happening here in Auckland City, I went to that protest wearing a Make America Great Again hat so that I could talk to people and promote um, ideas around true justice and to push back against the social justice laws for all humanity. So just to be clear, Mm. you weren't stirring for the sake of stirring. You weren't after a physical fight, uh, even though you got some argy-bargy there yourself. Mm. Uh, You were after making people think. 
mm. showing that there's another perspective uh, to, to, to make people consider the, the greater picture. Um, yeah, so that's a big part of what I wanted to do. I wanted to have conversations and try and convince people that Black Lives Matter were not the organization to be supporting. And at the same time, another phenomenon that's closely tied in with critical theory is the idea of canceling people who you disagree with. Yeah. And uh, my conscience is bound by God's law. So it's Christ who has ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. He's my king. Mm. And when social justicians tell me um, that they have laws around dress codes and things like that, my response is say, um, sorry, Jesus is my king. Yep. And he makes the laws for my conscience, what not you. What does the you. Bible say, not you? Yeah. And when they say, oh, you're not allowed to wear the hat. My, my, my gut response is, Jesus is king, I am. Yeah. No, you're not. Watch me. Mm. So that, there was some of that, wow. and that might be partly provocative, which I'm happy to own. <laughs> but that, that's what's going on in my head. Yeah. Jesus is my king, yeah. and I, I do not want to consent or bow to the holy law of social justice. That's right. Mm. Well, look, okay, that then poses a, a difficult question for us because in, in many cases, uh, not just in dress sense, but in profession, um, you know, it's creeping into schools, it's creeping into pulpits, it's creeping into just the ideology of how people work in various office-based normal jobs. Mm. Um, do, uh, do we go down the controversial, you know, standpoint and come up against this message or do we kind of go with the flow and just mm. take things as they come? Yeah, that's a great question. The things to recognize is, one, this ideology uh, wants to destroy Christianity. Mm. It sees Christianity as a tool of oppression. It hates what we stand for and what we value. And its goal is working towards the destruction of Christianity. Uh, at the same time, I'm very optimistic because their ideas are so bad. I really do think we can... Uh, destroy their ideas with truth, with the light of the gospel. Amen. And I think what the Bible offers in terms of race relations and racial reconciliation is far more attractive than what critical theory offers. What critical theory offers is a never-ending perpetual cycle of guilt and penance that can never, ever be paid off. What we have is something so much better. We've got free grace. That's right. Uh, what does Galatians say about uh, there is now no Greek or, or Jew, mm. male, f female, where we're, we're, that, that doesn't take away from the identity of, of those particular parties, but it, it, it says that we're equally grace receivers in Christ. We The dividing walls of hostility have, have broken been knocked down. down. Yeah. There's no more hostility between That's me right. and my black yeah. brother or my white brother. The hostility is was nailed to the cross with my Savior. It went to the grave with him. Yeah. He left the grave and it stayed there. Uh, Christianity is a, a unifying religion. Mm. It, it, is, it is not one that divides. It, it, it brings people together. And it, and it is sad to see um, communities of faith uh, breaking up into various cultures and mm. uh, trains of thought. We, uh, we do want to see the, the, the church come together around the truth of the word. Mm. Uh, so to respond to your question of how do we respond to this, I think that the key is uh, what this podcast is all about, viewing all of life through the lens of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is having a well-rounded Christian worldview that sees all things through the light of Christ, all of Christ for all of life. 
that that's how we need to see things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's right. If we're go, if we're going to make sense of the world, we can't adopt this pagan ideology. But we have a Christian worldview. Everything stems from there. Yeah. Mm. Well, look at uh, Calvin's Institutes and uh, J.R. Packer. Both start their books uh, with. Uh, well, J.R. Packer's Knowing God by, by referencing the fact that we, to, to truly understand who we are and how sinful we are and in need of a saviour we are, we need to comprehend who God is. So we need to pursue the scriptures, as you've just, as you've just said, so that we can truly understand who we are in Christ. Mm. Um, and yes, we will come to the table through various lenses of, well, and worldviews, but our, our worldview must be through scripture, you're right. Mm. Well, thank you so much for um, coming in and sharing your thoughts on this uh, very current and, and yet difficult topic. And, and I'm aware that uh, you have a, a great journey ahead of yourself um, in combating such a, mm. an issue in, in this world. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's a privilege to be able to share these ideas. And if it gets a few more people thinking about it, yeah. I'll be very happy. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our privilege. Hey, look, you have a YouTube channel as well, I understand. Uh, yes, I do have a YouTube channel channel with a few videos up there. It's Mr. Ethan Aloiai at YouTube. So you can find me there. And there will be more videos going up there in the very near future around critical theory and issues of culture and social justice so wonderful uh, do subscribe yeah and we'll have to get you back on here we'd love to have you and your wife come and speak to us um for uh for more information though on on our uh, particular podcast uh check out our instagram and uh, subscribe for more podcasts of welcome to babylon